We uh, preached the first part of this message on uh, Facebook a couple, three weeks ago on Sunday. We were going to finish it up this past Sunday and uh, had some problems, but we, the ten characteristics of a healthy church, and we preached the first five with it has a biblical purpose, a spiritual passion, an uncompromised position, an endowment of prayer, and a growing leadership. That was the first five. We want to preach the last five this morning. Uh, number six, it has a transparent policy. There's a lot of talk in our day about transparency. Some of it is just talk in which people try to create an illusion of transparency where there is none, but biblical Christianity is transparent and free of God. You would think of it in many of Paul's epistles were written to answer questions. So even as Paul preached the gospel, the gospel, he was careful not to try to trick people into converting to Christianity. I have uh, made at your request, you know, our church covenant, our doctrinal stand, is required of a Sunday school teacher, all officers. In other words, we have made outlines of everything that we believe how this church is operated. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, that's important uh, and uh, to be transparent about what we believe. You know, and uh, God said in First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter two, as we look at the transparent policy of the church, I believe that every member has a right to know what that church stands for, how it handled business before it joins the church. I can re remember uh, sitting down with Brother Bill and talking to him about some things, and I didn't know much about anything, but I heard him preach on this, and I wanted to know what he was talking about. Well, in First Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 3, for our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God with Christ our hearts. Verse 5, For neither at any time use we flattering words, 
as ye know not a cloak of covenant, God is witness. I know people who have been a member of a church all of their life. One of uh, my wife's close friends that was Anthony's first Sunday school teacher and uh, when people come to visit our house and they profess to be saved, I sometimes have a habit of trying to get a religious conversation started. And I found out and I stopped it. He, he said, I don't discuss Christianity. That's all was, was said. I never mentioned it to him. We are still uh, friends, but we're not as friends as we could be because once you have the liberty to discuss why you believe what you believe and have a burden to uh, see other people saved, uh, you know, we want to talk about the Bible, really, because if the church doesn't practice the Bible, then it's really not a church. But a healthy church doesn't take sincere questions as a threat, but as an opportunity to help deepen someone's faith. Never do I think they are questioning me or questioning the church when somebody asks me a question, why do you preach this? Why do you practice this? You know, uh, a healthy church is one that is transparent in its theology, policy, and practice. And, of course, one of the things we get more than any is that if we have visitors when we take the Lord's Supper, you know, why don't you let everybody take the Lord's Supper? Because I didn't make the rule. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't I wouldn't care, but God said the Lord's Supper is for that particular church because you got to uh, be in a condition to take the Lord's Supper because the Bible teaches that some took the Lord's Supper and some sleep. And that word here is death. Some died because they misused the Lord's Supper. So from over... 50 years of the ministry, I know that uh, there are people who are scorners of the Bible who can't always be helped, but as possible, I can answer questions and let God's work in the heart. And our policy is, uh, and my policy as a pastor if I can't give you Bible for the question you ask me, then I will tell you this is my opinion. This is what I believe and based upon certain scriptures. And I think we owe that to anybody if we're discussing a subject that is going to determine whether they can be in the bride, whether they can be saved, and so or just saved need of that. The seventh characteristic is an insistence on purity. Uh, 
our manner of life is a reflection on the doctrine we teach. A healthy church doesn't say purity is important in its doctrinal statement, but it actively promotes purity. In other words, that uh, we've had visitors come in here. One of them would probably surprise some of you that I smelled liquor on their breath several times they were visiting. But God saved them. God took the liquor away. And so we don't say, hey, you know, you can come in this church in whatever condition you're in because only God can change you. But you can't be a member and practice open sin in your life. So we know that is important because sin in my life breaks my relationship with the Lord Jesus. Still saved, he still loves me, but he gives me an opportunity to repent. This is another subject. But if I'm saved and I've got open sin in my life and I refuse to repent of that, he doesn't cause me not to be saved. He takes me out of here. That's the sin under death. Number seven, and insistence. We insist because of what the Bible teaches on purity. Our manner of life is a reflection on the doctrine we teach. A healthy church doesn't just say purity is important in its doctrinal statement, but it actively promotes purity. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. Notice what God says. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. A small verse, but so powerful. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. See, I have no right to tell anybody they can't do this if it's just my personal opinion. But if God says it, and God tells us, you know, that we insist on purity, and are any in this building? Have I ever had a member that was sinless? Not in my lifetime. We sin every day because, first of all, I don't love Jesus with all my heart, soul, and mind every day. Want to, as my goal but I've got an enemy that lives in me, and that's that flesh. But when we look at the word of God and we see what takes place, see, when God said, because it is written, be ye holy, for I'm holy, this takes place through preaching on holiness and purity, through, through emphasizing walking in the spirit rather than the flesh. And, and we know that, uh, uh, 
you know. What we're around, what we watch, you know, of course, uh, I don't have cable, I don't have anything, but the, uh, what comes over the regular channels. And uh, one of my favorite shows, the other week I watched it and these two men started kissing each other. He said, well, that's, that's just the way it is. You can't do nothing about it. I don't have to watch it. <laughs> I'm not going to watch two men kissing each other. I'm not going to do it. So, so what that does, it takes my TV viewing, viewing and it cuts it down. It cuts it down. Because what is happening to our country, you know. You know, a woman may think she's a man and wants to be a man, but if my medical facts is right, he, she, whatever it becomes, can never be pregnant. I don't care if he comes out and say, I am a woman. That's what God made me, you know. When I view something, when I watch something, when I read something, in my mind, I'm saying it's all right. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says this. This I say, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. When me and God is together, when we're working, when I'm following him, when I'm listening to him, I'm feeding the spirit, not the flesh. So through requiring that those who serve in leadership capacity model purity and through an insistence on purity in membership. First of all, still in the book of Galatians, chapter 6 and verse 1, said, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such as one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, the deeper meaning of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, when I correct or when I, it bothers me because John Doe is doing this, I need to realize it's only by the grace of God that I'm not. We hear people say, I'll, I would never do this. I would never do that. Only by God's grace. Because this flesh is my enemy. And your flesh is your enemy. So God said, brethren, brethren, say people, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such as one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. But if we're not careful, 
we'll see somebody in there and we'll are convinced I would never do that. We are what we are by the grace of God and it's only by the grace of God that I'm not doing what somebody else is doing. God says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10, 2 Timothy 3.10 said, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. We're talking about an insistence on purity. In other words, young Timothy is saying here, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. I can remember when somebody is very precious to me. She wanted to make sure, Dad, he's a Christian. And he belonged to a church that teaches you got to be of that faith or you cannot be saved. I don't know any faith like that. I'm saved because of my belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved because he granted me repentance and faith. Not because I join a certain church. Number eight, a holy pliability. What is that? Well, a healthy church remains tender to God. Its members receive the teaching and preaching of God's word and allow it to transform their lives. Their lives are marked by an ongoing, definite changes in response to Scripture. What does that mean? That means that when I first heard Baptist doctrine, I didn't buy into it. But when God convicted me, then I bought into it. So a healthy church remains tender to God. There ought to be a sign on all of our back. Be patient with me. God's not finished with me. He's still working on me. Now what that statement means is that I ought to be stronger in doctrine, stronger in love, stronger in everything as I grow and as I get older. That's why that, that individual, and I, if I call his name, all of you would know him, but what's wrong with these teenagers? I gave him the same answer every time, us adults. Because society has taught us that. You know, You're too young to do this. 
do this, do this, do this, do this. Which is teaching our young people as you get, as you become an adult, it ceases to be sin. I've heard many parents tell their child, you're too young to drink. What, what is that parent telling that child? When you get a certain age, it'll be all right. Is it not? Well, in First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, when we look at the Word of God and we see the Lord uh, teaching us, giving us the ability and understanding, we begin to look at things a little different. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse uh, 13, I believe. For this cause also think we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectively worketh also in you that believe. Now, First Thessalonians is a church letter. It was a church, and it said, For this cause also think we without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God. See, I may believe something is true. I believe we ought to do this or we ought to do that. But I have not received that. I have not, you know, I may say I'm convicted of that. But things that we are convicted of, we don't practice as a way of life. Notice, James. Little book of James. When we look here and we see God speaking to us, James chapter one and verse twenty one. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the endrafted word which is able to save your souls. See, it is the word of God, which we all know if we read the first chapter of John, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This word was Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is what he says, what he believes. And he tells us, 
wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. See, when I receive something with meekness, I may say we used to have student of the month. And that student won that banner or whatever certificate we may have gave them because they did a little bit better than the next one. See, if you were meek, you have a hard time thinking that I deserve that. There's others that deserve better or some better students, you know. I just have the ability to memorize or whatever we may uh, say. But characteristics of a healthy church, every member knows that I know what I know about the Bible. I'm convicted of whatever I'm convicted of because the Holy Spirit changed my mind. How did I become saved? I heard the word, I believed the word, and the Holy Spirit changed my mind. So that's why that we're so against preachers or churches that say you can be saved anytime you want to. Well, you can, but the fact of it is you won't want to unless the Spirit of God is working on you. And the Spirit of God would not be working on you unless you had heard the Word of God, read the Word of God, or came in contact in some way, shape, or form, and you read it, you heard it, and the Spirit of God bared witness with your spirit and made you alive. That's how it's done. We are the receptor. I mean, we receive it. Being saved, getting saved, was not my ideal. And, and that statement is foreign to the average Christian. But God works on your honor. A healthy church also remains pliable in transition because they see Christ as the owner of the church rather than themselves. They are flexible to a Sunday school room being changed or a church staff transition. You know, and in this church, in other churches, you know, we sometimes think this is, this is my position. But God places us in that position. And we are to be pliable. We are to understand what God is saying. You know, that's why that Acts twenty twenty eight, you know, said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. That's talking to the pastor. It's talking to an evangelist. But right here it's talking to a pastor. And he said, take heed therefore unto yourselves. 
And what is the first thing that Acts 20, 28 says? It said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. What is the number one job? To feed the church of God which he, God, has purchased with his own blood through his son. Number nine, soul winning process. A healthy church doesn't just say the great commission is the purpose of the church. They engage in it. In the fellowship hall on the TV, it showed what our sermon audio was for the month of January. I mean, you would be shocked as many people as listened. Why is that so important? Right now, that's about the only outreach that we have. They won't let us go door to door. We don't have the staff or the financial to put out a church paper. That's why that on Wednesday night when I held up that four sheets, you know, we could do that, approximately 100, 150 bucks a month, and we could print five, six, seven hundred. Then would somebody let us put them in the store? Would Walmart let us put them in the store? Would the dollar store put us? Let's put it in the store. It says free, take one. Would God use that? I don't know. But I do know what God's word said in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. And see, this is what we use to know whether we are to do something or not. It's Does God's word give us the okay? Well, in Matthew 28, Matthew the 28th chapter, you know, that last chapter of the book of Matthew, verse 19, he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Notice what he said in 20. Teaching them to observe all things. I've even had parents say, you know, the reason I don't bring my kids to church because you preachers want to start preaching on do's and don'ts. Well, you know, what I wanted to say was I didn't and I don't do it. If you taught it at home, I wouldn't have to. But that doesn't make people mad. So, you know, I'm not going to deliberately because I'm not going to deliberately make anybody mad because just the word upsets people. When God said, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. He said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. He said, if you teach them the all things, I'll be with you. 
Does that mean if we don't teach the all things, he's not? They have a scheduled time for outreach with an active plan to consistently, systematically saturate their community with the gospel. You know who does that? Jehovah Witness. You haven't seen any Jehovah Witness out lately, have you? I've been over Carlisle five, six years. And until the virus came along, they came to my house every year. Why do they grow? You know. They follow up on guests and pursue gospel contacts. Take every opportunity for a comprehensive church outreach plan. That's how we reach people. You know, some of the things that Amman Road Baptist Church used to do, we don't do anymore. Why? Number 10, characteristics of a healthy church. Healthy church is a Christ-centered praise. This circles back to the first characteristics we looked at, a biblical purpose. A healthy church is one where members know that we exist for God's glory, not our own. I'm still living, I'm still saved, and what is my job? My job is to glorify the Lord. Somebody ought to see a difference in me than somebody that's not saved. God said in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians Chapter 1. Look at verse 5 and 6. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. It ought to make you happy. People get upset. I mean, I've got a couple families. If they need prayer, they'll call me. If somebody in the hospital, they ask me to go visit them. But they said, I won't go out there because your heart's failed. I may be hard-headed, Brother Harold, but I'm, I'm not hard-failed. God said, having predestinated us, Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ 
to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. He saved me because he wanted to. He worked on my water. Now notice. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Why did God make me accepted? Because I couldn't be part of the earthly kingdom, the earthly family, the earthly church, the way I was before God saved me. So it's that simple. And it affects somebody. I'm still the same person. Then you're still lost if you're still the same person. We've got the same body, but we're different. Remember the song, It's Different Now. Since Jesus came into my heart, I'm different, oh, so different now. Our goal must never be look at my church, but look at what God has done in his church. We must deflect and give all praise to God. God said in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. I don't care how the world changes, a true church will exist to glorify God. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. No church has arrived in all ten or even one, in my opinion. But growth in these areas are indicators of a healthy church. A biblical purpose. A spiritual passion. Uncompromised position. An endowment of power. Growing leadership. Transparent policy. An insistence on purity. Holy pliability. Soul winning process. And Christ center praise. These are the ten characteristics of a healthy church. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, Father, for the privilege that has been granted to us once again.